Thanks for checking out the Relentless Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, so this is Cultivate Week 3. Now, because it's week three and because we've said a few things, I wanted to go a different direction. Let me tell you, I found some jokes about cultivating, about farming. So I know you guys love jokes, right? Yeah. So I'm going to tell you these amazing, these are hilarious jokes. Are you ready? You got to like, even if you don't think they're funny, you got to pretend to laugh because you'll hurt my feelings. No, you really won't. Anyway, what do you call a country where people drive only pink cars? A pink car nation. <laughs> what do you call a mushroom who is the life of the party? A fun guy. You guys got it. See, y'all love good jokes, I can tell. What do you call it when worms take over the world? Global warming. Uh, what did the farmer say when he got a massage? This is not your sermon, it's mine. What did the farmer say when he got a massage? He said, I feel good from my head, tomatoes. Someone will, someone will get that one. All right. Why don't you tell secrets in cornfields? Because there are ears everywhere. That was so good, I know, right? What did the egotistical pickle say? I'm kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Some of y'all aren't smart enough to get that one. That's okay. Why didn't anyone laugh at the gardener's jokes? Because they were too corny. Uh, see what I did? That was terrible. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We are in Cultivate Week 3. If you weren't here for the first two weeks, I encourage you to go online, check them out. They're on our podcast. If you got the iTunes uh, podcast app, you can pull it up. It's the Relentless Podcast. But we learned over the last couple of weeks... That the word cultivate means a specific thing. And you'll see it up on the screen, Michelle. You got it? Cultivate. It's the definition. It says to break up. Here it is. There it is. To break up like soil in preparation for sowing or planting. So if you're a farmer and you want to plant a field of corn, you start with the dirt and you have to go through and cultivate. You have to break up the soil before you plant. Now, why are we talking about cultivate? We're talking about cultivate throughout this entire summer because... The things in our lives, or really in in anything, the things in the world that grow on their own without any help from you are usually not good things. Weeds, fungus, bacteria are all things that you don't have to help. I don't have to encourage the weeds in my flower bed to grow. They just do it when I don't want them to. All the time. They're left under themselves. And there are bacteria and junk in your life that you don't have to grow. It will just grow if you don't do anything about it. On the flip side, the good things in your life that you want to grow have to take, you have to be intentional about it. There's purpose behind it. It has to take time. And you don't, like we said before, you don't accidentally just grow a field of corn. That doesn't happen by accident. That happens with a lot of hard work. And the same is true for our lives, right? I mean, I'll wait, right? There we go. The same is true for our lives. We have to willingly choose to grow or choose to cultivate the good things in our life. If you do nothing, if you ignore what grows in your life, you will only grow bad things. Laziness, lack of ambition, all kinds of terrible things. If you are intentional about what grows in your life, then you get to guide and direct the good things in your life growing. 
And some of those good things that we're going to talk about over the summer all come from one particular verse, one particular passage of Scripture. It's in Galatians, and it's on the screen if you want to follow along. It says, but the Holy Spirit, that's the Spirit of God. If God is in your life, it should produce this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that's kind of the guideline for what we're talking about. Last week we talked about love. We talked about the difference between cultivating God's love, what God's definition of love is, and cultivating what the world calls self-interest love. Me first. I have to get what my goals are, my thing. It's all what benefits me. And that's not the way God does things. And if you missed last week, I encourage you, like I said earlier, go online, check out the podcast you can catch up on. This week, we're going to talk about cultivating joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. Good. We're going to talk about cultivating joy. Joy. Now, joy is kind of another very general word that you've probably heard and really don't have a firm definition for. But more importantly, let me tell you why we're going to talk about cultivating joy. Have you ever felt in your life unhappy with something? Have you ever felt discontent, like things just weren't enough for you? Like your life was just not where it should be in whatever way? Have you ever had something happen that completely ruins your day? You might have had a good day. It may have been like, yes, awesome, great day. I had a good lunch, you know, like I just like, I didn't like fail any classes today. Like it was a good day. And then something happened and you just are ruined the rest of the day. Like you just want to go to sleep and end that day and just start over tomorrow. Anybody ever had something like that happen in their life? Say yeah. You ever feel like just things in your life currently, the way they are, are just not enough. There's not enough happiness. There's not enough time. There's not enough whatever. That's where joy comes in. That's why joy. Because we live in a culture, in a world of not enough. Whether it's in commercials or or advertisements, or that's the kind of same thing, or shows that you watch or things that you listen to, they're all about more. What can I do in my life to gain more fun, more money, more stuff, more accessories. It's all about how can I gain more? And the world that we live in, the culture tells us you need to keep getting out there. You need to keep working hard so you can gain more in your life. Let me tell you that chasing or getting those things may bring happiness, but not joy. And there's a big difference. We're going to talk about that. So joy versus happiness. Happiness in this, in this context, what we're talking about, you'll see it on the screen. Happiness is happenstance or momentary happening or your current situation. So happiness is, is maybe you could, something you feel momentary, but it doesn't last. It eventually fades away. It goes away, and you're looking for a new form of happiness or a new, a new kind of bump of happiness to get you back to where you were in life. Joy is something different. It's your resolve. It's your state of mind. It's eternal. And it is, most importantly, a choice. You don't just fall into a joyful state of mind. You have to choose to be joyful. Things that make us happy in life are almost always temporary. They're momentary things that fade away. Things that bring joy are eternal as long as we value them. John 15 kind of puts it like this. Jesus is talking and Jesus says, I have loved you. That's you and the disciples he's talking to. Jesus says, I have loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands... You'll remain intimately at home in my love. And that's what I've done. I've kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose. That my joy might be your joy 
and your joy would be wholly mature. Or a different translation says, your joy may be overflowing. And I wanted to kind of give you an example or a visual, because some of you I know are visual learners. Imagine if your life here was this, this cup, and you have a finite amount of space in your life for joy. Now, what happiness does, happiness gets you to a point where you've got a pretty good amount of joy. You're, you're, you're here. You're not overflowing, but you're doing good. And so something comes along, say you're having a pretty happy day, and you get a flat tire, or you failed a test, or your girlfriend broke up with you for the eighth time. Guys, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And your happy just, happiness just kind of, the level just kind of goes down a little bit. So then we look for temporary things to just kind of fill it back up. Okay, well, that's just here. It's not full, but it's back where I was. And we have this endless cycle of things happening, and then we try to get it back to where it's going. What God is saying, the difference between happiness is, and joy is, happiness only gets us back to where we're at. Joy, however, overflows. It overflows so that if something comes along and we lose some, we didn't even lose it because we're, it's still going. That's the difference. You following me so far? Say, yeah. yeah. Good. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page. When you are deficient, when you are short on joy, we tend to choose temporary things to just get that little bit of joy or that little bit of happiness that we lost back. Something just to fill the little bit we're missing. But when we choose things that replace us to full... Anything that comes along just keeps putting us back under that mark. Joy gives us more than enough so that we have more than enough to give out to others. And if something comes along and trips us up, well, it's just overflowing. It just keeps going. So that's why joy. Let me tell you now some practicals, some things, because it's not enough to just know why we need joy. It's more importantly, we have to know how to cultivate that. We need to know how to grow joy in our life, how to be on, be intentional, to be uh, to do things on purpose and grow joy in our lives. So I want to give you a couple of like just real practical things that you can do right now. You can do when you leave or you can do tomorrow whenever you're at school or at work or whatever it is that tries to steal your joy. Number one is a phrase I'm going to call story over snaps. Everybody snap. Snap. Story over snaps. Now this is kind of a, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of see it this way. So you ever get like, whether it's on Instagram or something, you see a picture of somebody and it's like the perfect picture, like the lighting's great. Like it's, they just, it's like that perfect picture. And you're like, man, I wish I had that life. Like, I wish I looked like that. I wish I could be doing something as fun as that. Or some, maybe it's like now, like it's summer. So it's all like the, the shots by the pool and it's like the water looks perfect and the sunset. You're like, man, I wish I was there. What you don't see are the 38 different photos they took before that with god-awful lighting and double chins and like a burger, you know, piece stuck in their teeth. You don't see all those, right? How many of y'all take like 18 photos before you find the right one? I know. You got to switch filters. You got to scan through it. You got to find the perfect one. And if you don't find one, then you, that's where Snapchat, you go to that makeup one and it like makes everything better, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's different from when you look at somebody's, like the one perfect one they choose, and then you look at all the others. The way you cultivate joy is you've got to look beyond the one moment and look at the big picture. Joy requires us to see the big picture. Minor annoyances or setbacks stay minor when we're focused on the big picture, on the end goal. We lose joy when we focus on the unhappiness of a single moment. Let me give you uh, an example of, of seeing the big picture. How many of y'all have seen Infinity War? 
You've seen it? Yeah. How many of you have not seen it and you don't want it spoiled? All right, I'll try, I'll try not to spoil it. All right. For those of you that have seen it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna disc- to talk about something. For those of you that haven't, I won't spoil it. It'll be fine. And if you, if you have seen it, don't spoil it for the people that don't want to spoil because don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. But there's a specific scene in which Dr. Strange makes his whole point about I will not, under any circumstances, what? There you go. Nerds in the room got it. He, he says, I will not, under any circumstances, give up the stone. He says, I will not. I will not. And then later, he has to make a decision. And he says, he says this phrase. He says, now we're in the end game. Now, without going too much into it, Dr. Strange only made that decision because he saw what? The end game. He knew what the bigger picture is. It would be very easy as a viewer of that movie, as a fan, or even as an Avenger in that particular setting, to freak out about the momentary issues there. To go, what is going on? Why would he do that? What's going Like, this is crazy. This is the dumbest thing. Unless you have the end game in mind. Unless you have the picture in mind. And it's the same way with our lives. It would be very easy to freak out about any number of the little things that happen in our day, in our week, in our month. But when we have the bigger picture, when we have the end game in mind, and for us as Christians, that could be everything from the next day to the eternity that we get to spend in heaven. When we have the end in mind, the minor annoyances don't seem to matter so much. Anybody with me? Say yeah. We cannot lose sight of the bigger picture, but this is only by choice. It has to be by choice. When I am having a great day and I stub my toe, it would be very easy for me to just freak out and just yell and scream and be upset about that. And maybe I do feel the pain of that moment, but I have to choose not to let that deter the rest of my day. And it's the same for us. Something will always come along to steal your joy. Something will always come along to knock some of the Gatorade out of this cup. You have to choose not to let it steal your joy. Got me so far? Say yeah. Good. So story over snaps. Number two, we have to count them up. Everybody say count them up. So God's grace, this is a very churchy kind of terminology, but I'm explaining it if you'll be quiet and listen. God's grace gives us many gifts in our life. The Bible talks about how by the grace of God we're saved. That because he, he has grace, he bestows many different things in our life. We're able to be saved. We're able to be forgiven. We're able to have family and friends and have the wonderful things that we have in life. These are all by the grace of God. And you hear that said in church a lot. Now, I'm going to jump to like a Greek thing real quick. And don't lose me. Just stay with me on this and I'll explain this to you. So in, in Greek, there's a couple of translations I want you to see. Go to it, Greek. So grace in Greek is charis. Joy is kara and rejoice is karo. I don't care that you don't know Greek. It doesn't matter. What, this, what it means, though, what I want you to catch is that grace, joy, and rejoice are all very similar. In fact, joy and rejoice are literally translated as because of grace. So when it says to have joy or rejoice, it's saying rejoice not because of happiness, not because of the current circumstances, but because the grace of God is at work in your life. So because of God's grace in our life, we can count up the gifts that we have in our life. We can count up 
If you're saved and you know Christ, that's a gift of God. If your eternity is set in heaven and not hell, that's a gift by the grace of God. If you have a family or friends or loved ones, that's a gift by the grace of God that you should be glad of. If you live in a house or rode in a car to get here or have things, clothes on your body or money in your pocket, those are all gifts that not everyone has and you were given those by the grace of God. It is important for us to take time to count those gifts all the time. So many things in life we just take for granted. We overlook. And when we don't take the time to count up our gifts, we will take the time to count up everybody else's. And that's when you start to compare. You start to see what you don't have and what other people do have. And comparison will always create bitterness, judgment, and frustration. How come they have that and I don't? How come they get to do this and I don't? How come their life is like that and mine isn't? All the while overlooking all the amazing things that maybe you have in your life. If you want to cultivate joy, you have to count the grace gifts in your life. You have to daily go, man, today was a good day because of these five things. Or I'm so glad that I have these five things. Even when, when uh, we pray over our food, we, we say, we, we, you know, you're going to say grace. Who wants to say grace? Anybody ever heard that before? What that translates to is like we say thanks. Because grace can be thanks. If you want to say your grace, if you want to count your grace, you say thanks for the things you have in your life. When's the last time that you thanked God for something in your life? Not something special, not something unusual or out of the ordinary. Some of the most average, stable things. Sometimes we overlook the ability to thank God for the things that we don't have to ask for. When's the last time we said thank you for very basic human things that we have that others don't? Want to cultivate joy? Count them up. Now, number three, and this is the last one. Number three, don't lose focus. Everybody say focus. Don't lose focus. What that means for us is to protect your joy at all costs. That means on social media, if your friend posts about their amazing life, great. Don't let it steal your joy. Don't lose focus. Don't get so focused on their great life that you lose focus of your own. Philippians says this, Paul is writing this in the book of Philippians. It says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full stomach or empty, whether I have plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And I really want to make sure that you pay attention to this because this is like the verse for graduation season. It'll be like probably if you're a graduate, somebody will write this on your card. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's like honestly one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible because we read this and we go, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I remember playing football and them saying, hey, you can win this game because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying because Christ gives you strength, you are the incredible Hulk and you can do anything you want to do. That's not what he means. What he's saying is whether things are good in your life or bad in your life, you can be content. You can be happy. You can choose joy because Christ is the source of that. So in our culture, there will always be more things or the next thing you need to make you content, whether it's a new phone or new shoes or fill in the blank new stuff. If that's all you focus on in your life, it will overwhelm you and you'll lose focus. An example of this, 
I was talking about this earlier, is uh, how many of you remember the story of the disciple Peter when he, he walks on water? It says that Jesus is walking on the water and he calls the disciples in the boat and he says, come on out. You can do this too. Let's go. Only one of them gets out of the boat and it's Peter. And it says he steps out of the boat and he starts to walk on water, literally walking on water. That's what he's doing. But also while they're walking on water, here's Peter, here's Jesus. He's walking towards him. There's a storm going on. It says there's waves on either side of him. There's wind, there's storm clowns. And it says, did I say storm clowns? I think I said storm clowns, which is way scarier and more distracting. Storm clouds. And when Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and he starts to look at the sea, he starts to look at the clouds, he starts to look at the rain, it says he starts to sink. And it's only after he fixes his eyes on Jesus that Jesus is able to reach down and save him. It can be the very same way for us in our pursuit of joy. If we're fixed, if our joy, our, our joy focus is fixed, on Jesus, fixed on the end game, fixed on what's most important in our life, then we can walk on water. We can miraculously walk in joy when it doesn't even make sense because we're fixed on him. But when we take our eyes off of him and we focus on the distractions of the world, we focus on what we don't have, we focus on what other people have. I don't know why it just kicked in super loud. That was weird. When we take our eyes off of him, we start to sink and we become overwhelmed and our joy is gone. Maybe for you, it's not more stuff. Maybe for you, it's just being somewhere else. Maybe you lose your focus, not because of what you don't have, but because of where you're not. Oftentimes in life, we feed our discontent with where we're at by escaping. When you're in the middle of a moment in a conversation or there's a group of friends hanging out, you're the one that's on your phone. Now, I'm not against being on your phone, but... Sometimes we're so into what's going on on our phone, the world here, that we miss the world here. And sometimes we're so discontent with the world here that we're focused here. And we miss all of life. You want to know the last kind of secret key to being, to cultivating joy in your life? It's be present. If you're somewhere, be there. Be fully there with your mind, with your personality, with what's going on. Be content with what's in front of you. And don't lose the moment to distraction or content, discontent. And here's where we're going to close out. I want you to stand up. I want you to ask yourself, very, very simply, and hopefully, honestly. If you can't be honest with yourself, then what are you doing here? Because your relationship with Christ re- requires you to be honest with yourself. So ask yourself, how content am I? really, like with your life right now, how much are you okay with your life? How much are you, how content are you with your current circumstances or situation? How content are you with your relationship with Christ? Are you okay with it? Do you have joy or are you lacking? If you are content, are you content because of what you have? And like, man, I got, I just got some new shoes. Like everything's good in my life. I am content. It won't last. If your contentment is based on the things that you have, those things will be gone before you know it. So ask yourself, how content are you? And then secondly, why? Why am I content? Is it because my parents buy me everything I need? Or like Paul, is it because no matter if I have everything I need or nothing, 
my joy is found in Christ. The other example here is so many people go through life and we got about this much joy, this much happiness in our life. And we're constantly trying to fill it with other things. Or we're constantly, maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're this kind of Christian where you, you, are, you haven't figured out the joy side of Christianity yet. And you're trying to tell people about Jesus or, or get people to come to church. And the reason they won't is because this is what they see. They're like, if that's what following Jesus is, I, I'd rather, I could be happier somewhere else. And we wonder why, it's, why church is no fun or why I just seem so boring. It's because this is the kind of joy-filled life we're living. We're missing the point. Without joy in our life, things don't really make sense. Because if we're created to be a joyful people, to be, to be filled with the, the Holy Spirit of God, with the presence of God, and that fruit of the Spirit creates joy. If we don't have joy, then we don't have the Spirit. You following me? So if your life is lacking in joy, it's because we haven't cultivated it. I said at the beginning of this, Cornfield doesn't just happen by accident. Joy doesn't happen by accident in your life. It starts with a choice. So with heads bowed and eyes closed. Ask yourself, will you choose joy? Will you choose to be joyful? Knowing that not everything's going to be perfect. Not everything's going to be the ideal situation. You're not always going to have everything you need. You're not always going to be in the perfect circumstances. Matter of fact, I would say that if, you're, if your whole relationship with God is built on a perfect set of conditions, you're destined to fail. But if you can fix your focus, if you can set your goal, your contentment, your life on Jesus, on just trying to do the simple, basic things day in and day out, on trying to talk to him a little bit to get closer to him, on trying to be what he's asking you to be or do what he's asking you to do. Those simple little things done daily and consistently start to stack up and build up. And before you know it, That tiny seed that was planted in your life is now a tree bearing fruit and dropping love and joy and peace, not only into your life, but into the lives of people around you. People come in contact with you and they're like, man, I love being around you because you're so full of love. You're so full of joy. What is, what's the, so why is that? Like, what are you so happy about? And it's because they can see what is growing inside of you. And it starts with a choice. So right now in this moment, with heads bowed and eyes closed, legitimately close your eyes for a second if you're somebody like me that needs to focus. Maybe to get focused, you need to get away from the person next to you. You need to go to a different part of the room. Maybe that's how you pray is, is you go to a corner or something. Do that if you want to do that. Maybe you need to come to the front of the room, to the the in traditional churches is like the altar area. The altar is actually in your heart, but you know, if you want to come to this area as a step of faith, do that. Get where you need to be to have a few seconds here of time between you and God. Sometimes taking a few steps out of your seat is 
all the physical action step that you need to get out of your old mindset and get into where God's leading you. So with eyes closed, I want you to actually ask yourself, do I have joy in my life? And if you don't, if you can't answer genuinely, honestly, yes, then very simply, maybe for the first time ever, I want you to ask God for joy. It doesn't have to be, oh, Father in heaven, or any crazy Shakespearean language or anything like that. It's just, God, I need more joy in my life. I need more than just momentary happiness. I need joy in my life. And that all starts with him. If you're in here and you've, you've never chosen, you've never actually taken the Jesus thing seriously, and you've never said, you know what? I actually want to learn about this dude and try to be like this dude, then do that. Take that step first. Or maybe you grew up in church or you were serious about God at one point, but things have changed or you stepped away and you know, it's kind of just been something you, you go to, but you don't really practice it. Can I encourage you that that should be your first step? Is to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm back. And from this day forward, I will work to get closer to you. If you need joy in your life, just say, God, help me today start growing joy. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more from Relentless, hit subscribe or check us out on Instagram or Facebook.